uh, just some, uh, some you know, talking about different problems in the churches. And so that's, that's one author has gone through all this research and studying, but uh, the vast majority of the research that they did was outside the Bible. And, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, that seems, I mean, sometimes it can help, but, you know, I may go do some extra biblical studies for certain topics, but it's very specific, very minimal. Uh, and otherwise, I'm just reading what the Bible says about things, right? And I think all of our problems could be solved just by reading the Bible anyway. Uh, and so, I don't know why they spent so because, the, the, you know, and, and they, the, 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 the fundamental problem I have with the way they did the research is they pick a person, pick a book that that person wrote, and said, this person is, is an expert in this field. But if it's not biblical, if it's not divine, it's, it's all subject to interpretation, right? It's all, I, you know, I take everything with a grain of salt. Other than the Bible, I take everything with a grain of salt. You know, I don't care if you've got 16 PhDs and you can prove to me that, you know, whatever that we all came from a gnat, you know, I just, uh, I, I'm just going to take it all with, with uh, uh, a grain of salt. You know, I'm not to, it's not that I, I, I don't, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, that I can't be taught or that I'm closed-minded. It's just uh, everybody uh, has their own slants, right? They have their own agendas. They have their own thoughts about things. And they say they're objective, but then you read their stuff, it's like, well, that's not objective. You know, it doesn't sound objective to me. And so, anyway, it's, uh, you know, there, there are some things, because, you know, every, uh, <clears throat> you know, before 1903, people thought that there's no way man could fly, right? Uh, and around that time, you know, they thought man should never uh, exceed a certain speed limit. You know, if God wanted man to go that speed, you know, he had to give him wings or, or whatever. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a lot of foolishness over the years people have said, claimed as the absolute gospel truth, you know, that's uh, just their opinion, amen. And even science, right? The whole, the whole point of science is not to come up with an absolute answer. The whole point, point of science is to say, here's what we think right now. Uh, you know, I'm a trained engineer, so I know all about science, right? And the scientific method is you start with an idea and you try to prove whether the idea is true or not. And really, you don't ever prove that it's 100% true. You prove that to the best of our knowledge today, this is what we think about this thing. Uh, and so, you know, when they landed on the moon in 1969, they didn't know what was going to happen. They, you know, they didn't know if, uh, if when, when the lunar lander landed on the moon, if it would just sink in, you know, in 20 feet of dust. Because nobody had been there before you. They didn't know what the surface of the moon actually was comprised of. So they didn't know. They just, you know, well, let's just hope. You know, let's just, let's just see if it works. You want to? Uh, and, and so that, that's kind of the way scientific, you know, advances occur is, you know, let's just try it and see. Uh, and, and so, you know, in that, you know, I, I would caution everybody to don't, don't put your faith in mankind or his intelligence. Amen. Uh, a lot of people put great faith in, well, you know, PhD so-and-so said this. And it doesn't matter to me. Is he divine? Did he get it from the word of God? Then, then it's subject to change. Amen. And if you look at the history of the advancement of all civilizations, you know, every civilization has said at some point in time, this is absolute, this will never change. It will be just this way, right? If you go back to even the old uh, uh, Indian culture, you know, the, not American Indians, but, uh, you know, actual Indians. Uh, and, um, you know, they said the earth was sitting on elephants, sitting on turtles or something like that, you know. And it's like, you know, the, uh, we've been to the moon, so we look back at the earth. There were no elephants and turtles holding up the earth, right? And yet that was considered to be absolutely true. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, there was a time when people thought the earth was flat. You know, there are still people today who believe the earth is flat, right? Uh, and they will tell you it's absolutely so, that the earth is flat. It's like, well, okay, well then head that way and tell me when you drop off the edge, right? They've never sent a picture of the edge of the earth because if it's flat, it's going to have an edge somewhere, right? <clears throat> They've never, no, why, why are there no pictures of that? Well, it's a conspiracy. Well, just you go get your own pictures, right? I mean, we got... You can get a rowboat or, uh, you know, an airplane or something, you know, head that head east or head actually in any direction. Eventually, you're on the edge, right? And um, it's still flat. <laughs> Whatever, you know, but uh, uh, anyway, it's my, the only absolute I have is the word of God. Amen. Uh, and the problem with our society is we want no absolutes, right? We want no absolutes in the area of morals or ethics. Everything is fluid and it's subject to change. There's no, there's no absolutes in gender, right, which is absurd. I mean, there's... Uh, you know, you think about where we have come, you know, up to uh, 2015, uh, before 2015, you know, uh, same-sex marriages were just legal in a few portions of America. And then 2015 happened, 
And now suddenly the Supreme Court said, yes, it's in the Constitution, even though the Constitution says nothing about marriage, good or bad, you know. Just, uh, and so then suddenly same-sex marriage became law. And, but, you know, that wasn't cool enough. Now everything's transgender. I mean, I mean it's amazing how, how, uh, how prevalent the transgender theology is in America right now. You know, it's just, it's a, it's, I mean, it's like a pandemic. If you think COVID was bad, transgender, I mean, it's in our schools here in our county where they've got transgender people trying to go to, uh, bat, boys going to girls' bathrooms because they identify as a girl. I'm thinking, if I was 14 years old, I would have identified as a girl if I got to go into girls' bathroom. I mean, you know, every man in the world would have done that, right? When they was 14 years old. Yeah, I'm a girl today. <clears throat> and so uh, it's, it's insane. I mean, you think about that, right? Uh, and the reason why, because they don't believe there's any absolutes. Everything is fluid, right? There's no such thing as gender, which is dumb. There, there's no thing, such thing as, you know, it, what, if, what if every marriage was a homosexual marriage? That would be one generation and the end of humanity, right? Uh, and so it's just, uh, um, and, you know, I'm not, the thing that we have to guard ourselves is not be mad at the people that fall for that lie, right? Because there are people who are pushing the lie. They're the evil people, right? It's, it's the people, uh, you know, I mean, I think that the assistant um, head of, uh, of uh, uh, whatever he is, National Health in America, uh, he's a transgender man, right? Or he's actually, I think he's called the transgender female because he's a man dressing up like a girl. And he's the head of the health department or second, second in charge of the health department for America. And he's telling me we should transition children, children. Send them through surgery, give them high-powered uh, uh, medication, uh, and it's good. It's good for them. It's insanity, right? It's insane. You know how many devils you have to listen to, lies to tell you that you're a gender other than the way you were born? You know how many lies you have to listen to before you believe that? And who's the father of all lies? The devil's the father of all lies. So who's, who's behind that push? It's the devil, right? The devil's behind these things. So in the, and people like that they're, that are in leadership pushing that, they're full of the devil, right? Now, they're going to fool, fool a lot of people. A lot of people with sincere thoughts will believe that they're the opposite sex. And, and a lot of them are waking up. You know, there's, they, they call it uh, detransitioning. I don't know why we're talking about this, but, you know, absolutes, right? That's why we're talking about it. There's only one absolute, right? And, you know, you look at the Bible, and it's, it's really clear. Men and women. That's it, boys and girls. And so if you really believed in absolutes, if you ever had a thought come across your mind, maybe there's something else. You go, no, the Bible says nothing else, so there's nothing else. But now that, so now there's not only men going to women and women become a man, now they got non-binary, right? Which just means they're nothing, they're just nothing. <laughs> you know, you're, just, you're not nothing. You are something, you know. Uh, and so and then they got... Uh, all kinds. Now, so now there's, you know, they got everything, right? They got all two spirits. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's insane. I mean, it's literally insane. And the reason it's insane is because there are no absolutes. And if you will, if you'll settle in your heart that God is absolute, the word of God is absolute. Everything is easy, super easy, right? When a thought comes across your mind that, hey, maybe there's such a thing as non-binary. You look in the word of God. Nope. Then, then I just throw that, that, that uh, thought away. Amen? But then when the churches start promoting things like that, and some churches do, uh, you know, a lot of churches promote homosexuality and, and um, uh, same-sex marriages. Uh, and, um, you know, they just passed a law. You know, they had a law back in the 90s called the Defense of Marriage Act, which said marriage is between a man and a woman. Now they have, I forget what they call it now, but... Uh, uh, it's the Stupid Marriage Act, right? But uh, the official name is something else. Uh, and, uh, and basically, they want to enshrine same-sex marriage as one of the options. Uh, but the whole point of that law is that they can start then uh, forcing you to, to not only uh, not be against same-sex marriage, but to approve it and accept it and to, to promote it. Uh, and so now as a church, we'll be mostly isolated from that because we're a church. We just, you know, they can't come against the church, or they'll try, you know, but for the most, but you, you know, in your jobs at work, you know, whatever you, wherever you, you know, if your boss says, hey, uh, it, you know, yesterday we just had to say that same-sex marriage is okay, but now we need to, we need you to approve of it. We need you to put a little same-sex marriage flag on your desk and to, you know, to, to uh, you know, sign documents saying all these things, and, you know, they're going to use that to, to 
uh, and it'll come to a head at some point and some sanity will come back to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court again will say, you know, you can't, we can't find anything about marriage in the Constitution. Just leave it alone. Amen. But, uh, you know, uh, the devil is not satisfied with there being Christians and everybody else. The devil demands that you worship him. Amen. That's always been the, the deal with the devil is he even tried to get Jesus to worship him. And so there will always be persecution in the church and you'll be persecuted because, you know, you, you have sane thoughts, right? That men can't be women and women can't be men. I mean, even if you thought that, the DNA just is not there, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you decide that you want to be, you, you can never change your DNA. You, it's just technically impossible, I mean, scientifically impossible for a man to ever become a woman. And yet they're telling us from, the, from their desks and from the TVs and that it's possible and it's not possible. And, and not only do they harm the, the physical bodies of these children when they're doing this, they're, they're uh, putting all kinds of uh, insane thoughts into their mind because your whole being is designed by God and, it, and, it, and your spirit yearns to follow the, 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 the leading of the Lord. Even if you don't know it, it's still long. So there's always going to be a conflict. If you were born a male and somebody told you you could be a female, you will always have a conflict the rest of your life if you believe that because your spirit will always go, that, ain't, that just ain't so. It just ain't so. Even if your mind says, oh, yeah, it's so, your spirit will say, it's not so. And then spiritually, they're going to uh, have you connected with all these devils, right? Uh, and, uh, and all these devils are going to keep on uh, heaping upon the lies, upon lies, upon lies. Uh, and so, anyway, there are absolutes, amen? And as humble servants of the Lord, you know, to me, it's the easiest thing in the world to, to have absolutes. I trust with all my heart that God is who he is, that he is, when he says it, that it's sufficient, and that it, end of story. And that's not a fanatical thought. So although in the church, plenty of times people will think you're a fanatic. You know, you're fanatical. You know, it used to be I was just normal. Now, now we're fanatics, right? It's like, you know, just normal Christian. I believe the Bible. I mean, the Bible says something. I just choose to believe it. Somehow that's fanatical, right? Or extreme. We are, now it's extreme, right? Now we're extreme. Uh, but anyway, it, it's not extreme. And it's the safest place to be. Because anytime a stray thought comes into my mind, hey, you know, it's okay just to have, you know, open marriage, you know, it, it, you know because you know, I can't be constrained by one woman. I mean, you know, uh, there's no way. And I look in the Bible and say, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, husband of one wife. Oh, well, okay, then I, then I can be constrained to one woman. Uh, and it's not a constraint. It's, it's because there's nothing in the Lord. It's not a constraint. It's a freedom to, to be married to a single woman. Amen? Uh, and so... But the world loves to push all these things, you know. I mean, there's a minister, even a well-known uh, international minister, maybe a year ago even was, was accused of, of kind of being real handsy with the women in the church, a pastor, and, and um, you know, even kissing some of the women in the church, you know. I mean, I'll shake your hand, but that's as far as we're going. You know, I might hug you, you know, but that's it, you know, after that. But, but he said, well, you know, I'm Italian. Is, is that okay? I mean... I mean, if the Italians uh, have a right to do that, you know, I'm French. Uh, and I mean, in French, you know, it's, it's you, know, uh, you know, mon ami, right? And so, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there's no limits if you're French, I guess, right? But um, it's insanity, right? It's insanity, uh, amen? And so, and it's really disrespectful to people to, to uh, say that well, because I'm, I'm this, I can ignore the Bible and, you know, because God made me Italian, I can ignore the Bible and treat people however I want to treat them because there are no absolutes. There are absolutes. You know, my, my French heritage does not override the, the word of God. Amen. And somebody else's Italian heritage does not override the word of God. If, if my heritage tries to supersede the word of God, I tell my heritage to shut up and go back to its room. Uh, and, and I continue on. You know, I, I don't live by by anything I can measure in the natural realm, amen? But plenty of people do because they don't want to believe that the word of God is, is absolute, amen? Uh, and, and so, but, you know, inside, inside the word of God, there's a huge, there's a huge uh, uh, space for, for blessings and increase and joy and happiness. It's not like it's just a little narrow of existence, a little this narrow spot of existence where it's drudgery and, and, and boredom and uh, uh, no excitement and no fun. That's not the word of God at all. Uh, the, inside the word of God is fullness of joy. 
You can't get fullness of joy except through the Word of God. Well, the fullness of joy, there's everything, amen? Wouldn't you uh, love to be full of joy all the time? And Well, we can be, amen? Uh, and so people think that uh, living by the Word of God, that you're this, this tiny little small person who has no joy, no, no happiness, and no creativity. And, uh, but those are all lies, amen? And, and I don't ever allow anybody to, to push me in a box that I'm this small little person inside the Lord. I, you know, uh, when we're going to uh, on vacation in a few days, we're going to go down a bobsled track, you know? Uh, and uh, why are you going to do that? Because it sounds like fun, you know? I mean... <laughs> Uh, there's no reason, you know, well, don't you think it's wrong to spend money to do that? But there's more money tomorrow, isn't there? And what's it to you where I spend my money anyway, right? I know you all don't care, but people are like, oh, you shouldn't spend money. You know, you should send it to the poor and needy. Well, they wouldn't go down the bobsled track, you know, and so I'm going to go down, the, you know, and so, uh, and I, you know, it's not like I can't do both, amen? The Lord, can, can the Lord prosper you to enjoy your life and also give to the needy? Well, sure he can, amen? People think that if God's constrained, have not read the word of God, Amen? Uh, and so if the Lord was, was concerned about being wasteful, he would have made uh, the, the, the uh, streets out of gold, you know. We make it out of asphalt. Why? Because it's dirt cheap, right? It's as cheap as, I mean, we can't find anything cheaper to make good roads from other than asphalt. And so why? Uh, you just, we're sure not going to make them out of, what if you just made them out of aluminum? Aluminum's way cheaper than gold, right? Well, no, it costs a fortune. I mean, it costs, you know, uh, you know, anything other than just tar, right? I mean, it's just basically solid oil is all it is. But um, so anyway, you know, it's, uh, uh, I love the Word of God. I love the absolute of the Word of God. I have no problem when I find the Word of God and, it, and it can, the Word of God will constrain your thought life and it will constrain your flesh, but it will never constrain your spirit. Yes. Uh, and if you live that way, you'll be the most free person that you, that you ever have, that you'll ever know. I had one person come in here many years ago, just uh, passing through, and they said, the Lord told me to stop by this church. Uh, I thought, well, you know, I don't doubt that at all. Amen. He said, I'm looking for a place where there's liberty. So you won't find any more uh, uh, liberty in a church than our church. Amen. Uh, not that ours is the only church with liberty. I, I said, you won't find any, any other church with more, right? That's, that's marketing speak, right? Uh, and so I didn't say that we have more liberty than any other church. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, we have a lot of liberty here, right? He said, so you'll go down to the restaurant and have a glass of wine with me. Now, well, why, is, why is drinking alcohol a measure of my freedom? That's absurd, right? I can be just as free and not, I am just as free not to drink alcohol as I'm free to drink alcohol in, in a sense, as far as my freedom goes, right? I can choose to do it. I can choose not to do it. Both are, are measurements of freedom, Amen. Uh, but if you have to drink alcohol, you're no longer free. It means you have to have it. Amen. See, I don't have to have it. Uh, I can have it if I want it in that sense that I'm free to do it. Now, I don't ever drink alcohol, right? I mean, you know, uh, just it does nothing. It would do nothing for me. And why do people like to drink alcohol? Well, it, it puts me at ease. Well, there you go. My Bible says, pray and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Yes. You can't be more at ease than you're in perfect peace. Right. And the Bible doesn't say... Uh, to get in perfect peace, uh, drink a shot of uh, Seagram 7. That'll get you in perfect peace. That will not get you in perfect peace. It'll get you in perfect trouble, more than likely, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, then, then you're not free. <laughs> and so, you know, I tried to explain to the uninformed person about Romans chapter 14. And, you know, because people always love to argue about, you know, you know, blah, 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 you know. Like, well, go read Romans 14 and see, if, you know, see if you can still get by with it in your heart. And so, even though the Lord told him to come here, he never came to a service. That's funny that the Lord would tell you to do that, and then you said, well, Lord, you must be wrong. You told me to go there, and I was a nice, you know, I was nice about it, but, uh, uh, and so, uh, why, that's, to me, that was one of the craziest events that occurred, because his measure of freedom is, can you drink alcohol? That, that, you know, my measure of freedom is, can you speak with other tongues? Right? Can you raise your hands freely to the Lord. Amen. Can you believe God for all that there is? Uh, that's, that's a true measure of freedom. Amen. Why, why is doing some natural thing a measure of freedom? That's, it's, you know, it's just, it, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, and, and all, this is actually kind of ties in with this verse here because uh, we're going to uh, uh, start here in Philippians chapter 4 or Philippians chapter 3. Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray 
I want to thank the Lord for getting into his word tonight. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. Father, we do thank you that your word is absolute. It is unchanging, Father. Uh, and we are free to do everything that's, with, that's contained within your word. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's open our Bible to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll get started there tonight. We, we got to, to verse 6 here. And there's a couple more things I wanted to say about verse 6 before we continue with, uh, to, to the other verses there. It says, verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. So Paul persecuted the church. How, how did he persecute the church? With zeal, right? Uh, and just uh, zeal means just uh, excitement, fervor of mind, you know. Uh, you want to do it. It's something you really want to do. It's not just, you know, uh, uh, you know a, lot, a lot of the church... If you look at your average Christian, you know, they're just, as far as their life, they're just kind of lumps, right? They're not, they're not excited about life. They're just kind of, you know, uh, and just, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no desire to be around them, right? They have no excitement, no zeal about anything. And Paul had zeal enough, you know, he loved the Jewish nation so much that, that he thought that the church was an affront uh, and an attack against the Jewish cause. And so, he, I got to do something about it. It's not right. Even though he was wrong, at least, you know, his desire was to, was to protect the, the Jewish nation. Amen. And of course, a lot of people have done things wrong uh, with zeal. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, the, but the nice thing about Paul that I, that I appreciate is, you know, I can't think of anything worse that you could hardly do than to persecute the church, right? Where you intentionally go and attack God's people. Uh, especially innocent people, right? You know, these people weren't, weren't hurting Paul, but they were, in his mind, they were hurting his cause of the, of the Jewish nation. But, uh, but uh, you know, a lot of people have done a lot of bad things. Uh, you know, anybody that's ever done any bad things? I know a lot of people have done a lot of bad things, but a lot of people have done a lot of bad things. And unfortunately, a lot of times, those people are, are boxed in their life that that's their life. And they will always identify themselves as that person, right? I'm the person who persecuted the church. I'm the person who did it wrong by God. And I've made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it, you know. And, uh, and what it, but whatever the sin is that I did, oftentimes that sin uh, or a collection of sins will, will cause them to identify themselves as that. It's the same thing as people that have gone through tragedies, right? Anybody gone through tragedies in their life? And, uh, but I know especially people that have uh, a lot of things like uh, like sexual abuse, things like that. Oftentimes, people in that, uh, who have suffered that, and it's real, right? It's a real thing. But oftentimes, that's how they identify themselves. I am a, a, I am a survivor of sexual abuse. Uh, and, and it's terrible. Uh, because they're not a survivor. Of sex, they're a, a human being made in the image and likeness of God. And yeah, they did go through that, but that's not, what they, that's not how they should identify themselves. But a lot of times, uh, people that go through tragedies... Um, or, you know, things like uh, drug addicts or, you know, alcoholism, things like that, they will, for years, identify themselves as that. You know, I am an alcoholic. Even if they haven't been an alcoholic for 20 years, I'm an alcoholic, you know, because that's the, you know, the AA, people will say you always identify as that. Well, that's not biblical, right? I'm a child of God. If you'll always identify yourself as the way the Word of God identifies yourself, your past will have no meaning to you. Amen. If you identify yourself by the tragedies and the sins that you've committed, you'll always be held back. You'll have built an altar at that place in your life. Whatever that, whenever that occurred, if it's 50 years ago, you're still built that altar and you're living at that altar. And I don't live at an altar other than the altar of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, I could identify as an orphan. You know, I'm an orphan. I was an orphan when I was 15. You ever hear me crying about how bad it was, how hard it was? You know, I don't ever do that, you know. Uh, because I don't identify myself as an orphan. I, I was an orphan. I mean, I mean, in a sense, I'm still an orphan in, in that sense. And, and to me, I, you know, it's just, it's really odd to me that, that nobody in my family has, knows my parents, right? I mean, my wife, my children, none of them know, knew my parents. Oh, I, you know, they had passed long before I met my wife. And it's just odd to me that, you know, that they don't know any of them, you know, just, you know, because I would have loved for them to know them. Uh, and, but I don't dwell on it. It doesn't, it doesn't identify me. My mother was an alcoholic. And so they have um, groups, you know, support groups for children of alcoholics, right? Uh, and the suffering that they went through. And, you know, I suffered a lot as a child of an alcoholic, uh, as an alcoholic. 
uh, crying, you know, with my mother, begging her to stop being an alcoholic, you know, as a, as a minor. I remember sitting on the floor in, in my bedroom with her, crying and, and bawling, trying to get her to stop being an alcoholic because, you know, I, I'm, an or, I'm, a, I'm a minor child, you know. I don't know how to, to care for myself. I don't have the capacity to care for myself. She's my only parent. My dad had already died by that time. She couldn't, she couldn't find a way out of it, you know, and a lot of people without God can't find their way out of it, amen, and so she died an alcoholic, she went in the hospital and was there for two, three months, but she had liver failure, and she, she died eventually of liver failure, which was brought on by her many years of alcohol abuse, but, you know, I mean, I'm telling a story now, but, you know, uh, five minutes from now, I won't even think about it, you know, an hour from now, tomorrow, tonight, it, it, it doesn't sit, in, it's not, in the forefront of my mind. I don't think about it, dwell on it. I just rarely ever think about it, except, you know, in the context, sometimes it might be helpful for other people to know that. Uh, but, uh, but as far as me, it has no impact on who I am. Amen? Because I'm ident- I identify as a child of the living God. Yes. And that's it. You know, the homosexual community, they always identify by what they do in their bedroom. Right? I'm a gay person. I'm a lesbian. I'm this or that. And they'll say, but I'm, you know, but I'm also a Christian. Well, no, if you elevate your identity above the word of God, then, then that's what you worship, amen? And they all worship what they do in the bedroom. It's like, well, you know, that should be pretty easy to understand. You know, if you worship what you do in the bedroom, then that's your God, amen? <clears throat> and so, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at homosexuals. I'm not mad at transgender people. The people I, I hold the highest uh, disregard for are the leaders pushing those things, right? Because you've got... Uh, uh, you know, it, they, they think it's a terrible word, but it's a perfect word, groomers, right? People that are grooming children to believe that these things are okay because they want to, to destroy their humanity. They want to destroy their identity in the Lord and, 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 and put them into a cult of identity in, in their own world. Uh, and it's of the devil. It's devilish, amen? It's, it, it's, it's horrible. And so, so uh, but Paul w- was, was full of zeal, Amen. And, you know, uh, I wanted to read another verse there, uh, which is uh, in, in Romans chapter 12. So that zeal, that desire to, to protect the Lord, because that's what he was thinking. I've got to protect the Lord, right? Uh, and so, uh, but then he says over in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, he says, not slothful in business. Uh, the word slothful, anybody, anybody know what a sloth is, right? Slow, right? Just slow, right? Uh, uh, you go down to the, uh, a lot of the, the uh, Department of Transportation, you know, they all got sloths in them, right? You know, hey, can I help you? You know, hey, uh, can I get some help? You know, it's like five minutes later, you, know, you ever been, been in a sloth, like you go to, go to like the Lowe's, go to, you know, you're behind a sloth in the Lowe's aisle, you know, you're trying to get from here to there and somebody's just going, you know, hurry up, you know. <laughs> I, I was walking through the hardware store one time, and, you know, I, I've only got one speed. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I got to go, right? And so I'm going down the aisle, and, and this guy in front of me kind of caught me, uh, I caught, he caught me out of the corner of his eye. He looked back, he said, oh, I got to, you know, here, let me make room for you. And I just, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, but uh, uh, we were at, we were at uh, shopping one time, and this lady, she had taken up the entire aisle, right? It's a huge aisle, right? But, you know, people just, there's nobody else in the world but them, right? So you've got the whole aisle blocked, right? And there's this pole right there, right? So I couldn't get by her. So I just took my car, just rammed it into the pole, just bam! It was really loud. It was a lot louder than I expected to, you know? I wasn't mad about it. I just, you know, acted like I didn't see it, you know, just bam, you know? And she, she wasn't as happy about it as I was. So I thought it was pretty funny, you know? I still think it's funny. Uh, she was kind of mad about it. Uh, and uh, it's like, well, be aware, you know, there's other people in the world besides you, right? You don't have to block the whole aisle, but um, I wasn't doing it to punish her. I was just, you know, I was having a good time about it. And uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if uh, did, you, did you enjoy that as much as I did? You made her uncomfortable. <laughs> she was with me. <laughs> well, see, I know my heart. I didn't mean anything by it. You know, I was like, you know, you're, you know, your mama. I don't like you. I was like, hey, well, this would be funny, you know, and that's hit the pole. And, and so, uh, <laughs> uh, and so, um, but not slothful, you know, uh, in business. Amen. Uh, and that's natural. You know, he's not talking about spiritual things here. He's talking about natural things, right? You know, some people, you know, you, you go see them, and they, I remember, uh, we watched one of those shows on TV about, you know, like a hidden camera thing or a hidden boss, you know, thing, and, 
And uh, this, this kid works, he works a cash register, right, for whatever, and taking money from the customers, whatever. And so they interviewed him. He goes, yeah, I hate customers. I hate every customer. I hate all the customers. I can't stand any of them. And they go, well, why do you have this job? Your very job is to work with, now there's jobs that you don't work with customers, right? You're doing stock, you know, you're stocking shelves, you know, whatever, putting price tags on, whatever. I mean, a lot of things you didn't do that you don't have to talk to customers, right? But that's all his job was. I hate customers. I hate them all. And then, so, you know, what do you think his boss did? Well, he fired him. And he, then they interviewed me after he got fired. They go, you know, what do you think? I don't know why they fired me. You know, I should have a right to have my opinion. Well, I mean, you do have a right to your opinion. You're fired with your opinion, right? And, and so, because you're slothful, you, you know, something like that, they won't ever go the extra mile, you know. And they're working for whatever, an hour, and they'll just, nothing. They'll do nothing, right? Slothful in business, amen? And the nice thing about being a child of God is, all of us have an advantage over every other person in the world. Amen? Because they don't have the power of God in them to cause them to not be slothful. Amen? I mean, when I was at work, I worked. You know, and, and uh, I, above and beyond all the time. You just, you know, there's only one speed. It's, it's 100% all the time. Now, it doesn't mean you're just running around like, you know, chicken with the head cut off. You just, but you're, you know, he said fervent in spirit, right? Uh, and so... See, before he was saved, then the word zeal and fervor, uh, in fact, the word zeal comes from the word fervor in the, in the Bible, from the Greek, the original Greek, they're, they're related words. But so, I mean, they essentially mean the same thing, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know which, uh, uh, well, the definition of fervent married means to boil with heat, right? So you're not just sitting there lukewarm, you're not cold as ice, you're just on fire, right? And... And that's the way, it'll be okay to live that way. Fervent in spirit. It's okay to live that way. Amen? That's the way I'm going to live. This, this mushmelon Christianity and this boring Christianity and this boring business life and this boring barely get by. I mean, some people, that's their whole goal. Man, if I could just get to a job where I could do nothing. I, I just, there's no way. There's no way. I, you know, I just, it's, and it's not just, uh, you know, who God made me. It's who God made humanity, right? God is that way. He wants mankind to be that way. It's not something, well, that's just your personality. It's not my personality. It, it's the God in me boils to get out. Amen? Yeah. And it's not just in, in preaching in, in the gospel. It's in my life. Amen? I don't want to do anything halfway. I just, I just, I hate halfway. I hate just, you know, I understand, you know, there, there's different levels of thing. You know, sometimes it's okay to just put one coat of paint on it. You know, but if it's something really important, you know, you can put, you know, I know when we did, we did those, uh, uh, just the top of that uh, sound booth over there, you know, <clears throat> it's got like six coats of, of, uh, uh, of uh, stain on, not stain, but the, the, the uh, polyurethane on it. You know, it's never going to rain in here. It will never rain in this building, right? One coat was probably sufficient, you know. Two coats, you know, it was plenty, right? Six coats, it's going to be fine. It'll be there when the Lord Jesus comes back, right? Uh, and so, and of course, in between every coach, you've got to sand it, right? And if you're going to do it right. Uh, and so, and I'm not an expert at that, but other people are. <clears throat> but, you know, you've got to find, you know, you've got to find the balance in that, you know, because uh, uh, there's nothing perfect in the world, right? And so I understand, you know, there's some things that, you know, you can't put six coats on everything you do. Uh, it's just not going to be possible. But uh, uh, a lot of people will intentionally do the, the the bare minimum and even the less than bare minimum, right? And you get it done, it's like, you know, this is, just looks terrible, right? Well, what's wrong with it? You know, well, just look at it, right? Uh, you know, uh, I had some, some guys put some carpet in the house one time, and the carpet had a pattern in it, and so, you know, they had put it down the, the, the hallway, and they got done, and I looked down the hallway, and, the, and it's supposed to just be perfectly straight, right? I looked down the hallway, and it's doing this right here. I said, well, that that's all crooked right there. And the guy said, well, yeah. He said, it's, it's really hard to make it straight. I'm like, well, that's what I'm paying you for. If, if it was easy, I would have done it. But if it's hard, I'm going to pay somebody who knows how to do it because they can do it right. Now, you know, I might could eventually do it, but it might take me a lot longer because it's harder to do. So I'm going to pay an expert to do it. And we had some guys deliver. We had this, we used to have this, you know, back, back in the, 90s and, and early 2000s, you were required by law to have the biggest TV entertainment center made to, known to man, right? It had to be huge, right? And, and be ginormous. So we had one, right? It was like eight feet tall, nine feet tall. And, you know, but, you know, I mean, it could go up to about 12 or 13 feet wide, I think. 
and it had to have a minimum of 600 drawers, you know, and had all the drawers slide this thing that this way, and then, you know, and lights everywhere, and, you know. Uh, and so uh, when we bought it, they said, well, if you, if you uh, pay an extra fee, they'll not only deliver it, but they'll also set it up. And I thought, sweet, you know, if they set up, then I don't have to set it up, you know, because there's going to be two guys there, you know. Now, so I'm thinking, oh, I could do it, but if I pay these guys to do it, it's a lot easier to pay these guys to do it than for me to do it. And so, so that's what I did because, you know, I went to college for six years of, of engineering so I could figure out how to pay these guys to do all the work, right? And so uh, you don't have to go to college and get an engineering degree to figure that out, right? Uh, and so they get there, they, they set it all up, and I look at it, and it's crooked off the wall, right? I mean, the wall's right there, and it's, it's kind of sitting like that. Not, I mean, that's extreme, but it, but it was crooked. And I said, I said, we're all done. I said, it's crooked. They said, well, yeah, it's really heavy, though. Well, yeah, I know it's heavy. That's why I paid you two guys to do the work. And, and so I said, make it straight. And so it just, uh, you see, that, that's, you know, things like that annoy me because that's not fervent in spirit, right? That's slothful, right? That's, that's doing less than is, is necessary and hope you can get by with it, right? Now, doing what's necessary is the bare minimum, right? I mean, they, they could have made it just a... I mean, there's, there's kind of only two ways to do it, either right or wrong, right? So, you know, in that case, then there's only two ways to do it. I know, and I'm not trying to say you've got to put six coats of polyurethane on everything, amen? That's, just, that's not the measurement. The measurement is what, what's your attitude in it? Are you trying to get away with something uh, that's just barely, that's not good enough, but you hope nobody says anything about it, amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, just, just like, like uh, when Chris is gone, you know, a frozen pizza, you know, to me, that's, that's fine, right? I'm fine, you know, fine with that. You know, I can't believe you eat frozen pizza. Well, I mean, we got, we got pretty good frozen pizza, right? But because um, uh, in my mind, I think, well, if I see, I don't want to spend any time cooking because if I don't have to spend any time cooking, I can do other things, right? But some people love cooking. They're, you know, they love cooking. They like the whole event of cooking. They like the whole, you know, the whole, you know, they got all the equipment. And, and that's really fine. I mean, I, I'm glad there's people like that in the world because people like me like to eat food that people like that like to cook, right? And so we need each other, amen? So I'm, I'm a part of the team. I've got my part to play, you got part. You do all this stuff and, and I'll eat it. I'll be glad to eat it, right? And so, uh, so I'm not trying to disparage people who like that because some people are like, you know, you shouldn't waste all your time cooking. You should do whatever you enjoy doing. I mean, if you like cooking and it's not, there's no sin in it, enjoy cooking, right? You know, if you want to spend two hours cooking, right? Sometimes Chris does that and, and, she, and she runs out of dishes. She has to go next door to, to Dora's house to get uh, extra six or seven pots and pans, you know. And then, you know, uh, and, and then we have to wash them in the bathtub because the sink's not big enough. And so it's just, I mean, it's like, where'd you find all these? Do we have even all these dishes? I didn't even know we had this many pots and pans. You know, there'd be every pot and pan in the world dirty. Like, Why'd you cook? It would, everything. I don't believe that, you know. And so, but see, that's fine, all right, because she, she's got zeal about it. She's not slothful about it, right? And, you know, sometimes I'm a little slothful. If she wants me to help her, I'm a little slothful about things. You know, she sent me to the grocery store, you know, I'll go and buy yellow brand peanut butter. You know, I used to do things like that. And, um, and why'd you do it? Because it was cheap. <laughs> that was, that was it. it was the only qualification was, is it cheap, right? It, uh, and, you know, and I had to, I had, there's a lot of adjusting I had to do in my life because when we got married, you know, we were going to build a, a, buy our first house. You know, my only requirement, the only requirement I had was dirt cheap. Right, that was it. Nothing else mattered. Electricity, who cares, right? Does it guy have any any indoor plumbing? Does it matter? You know, I'm thinking cheap. It's got to be cheap, right? But that's why the Lord had me marry my wife because she's sane, right? And uh, in fact, every house we've ever bought, you know, she's she's like, yeah, that's the house. I remember the the first house we did buy. That's that's really expensive. It was forty dollars a square foot, right? Anybody remember when houses used to be forty dollars a square foot? You probably remember houses were a little bit cheaper than that, right, Johnny? Uh, but uh, brand new, this is brand new though, never been lived in the house, $40 a square foot. That's crazy, that's insane expensive, you know. And the Lord's like, shut up, you know, do what, you know. Remember the Lord told Abraham, shut up, do what your wife, do, do, do what Sarah told you to do. Why? Because Abraham, like the rest of us, need help sometimes, right? Uh, and so, so I had to adjust my, my thoughts about, you know, uh, just because I think that the only requirement is dirt cheap. That's not necessarily correct, right? Now, I was zealous about it. I was 100%. You know, we found a house. You know, remember that blue house that was in a... That's it right there. That's it. And Chris was like, no, no, you know. 
<laughs> and even some friends of mine, they couldn't even hook up. And, no, you're not buying the house. Yeah, it's cheap, though. Look at it. It's dirt cheap. I know it's not have a floor, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> so it was a terrible. I'm so glad we didn't have been a muddy pit. We'd still be fixing that house, I'm sure, you know, uh, after all these years. But, um, uh, but the Lord provided for us. Amen. Uh, but, you know, at least I was zealous about it. I mean, I was zealous about my cheap, right? I was wrong. But I was zealous. But the nice thing about being zealous and being willing to listen is you can change. Amen. Some people are zealous and stupid. You know, they're zealous and no, no matter what, well, you know, that's going to hurt you. I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. Well, dummy, you know, do it. And, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, the, the way that I live is everything that I believe in the Word of God is 100% correct, 100% right. But if the Lord tells me tomorrow that, that I'm wrong, okay, no problem. Well, I'll change it. Some people, they'll, they'll 100% right, right. And you say, well, you know what you believe, but that is wrong. I still believe it anyway. Okay, you know, uh, you know, just, uh, I told you about the, the, the deal about uh, someone wanting to run to the mercy seat, and I explained to them with four or five scriptures about why that's bad doctrine. Well, I believe it anyway. Fine, dummy, you know, it means you're zealous, but you're also stupid, right? And, it, you know, someone uh, asked me about um, pleading the blood. And I went through the whole thing about, hey, you know, tell me book, chapter, and verse where you've ever seen the phrase plead the blood or seen anybody actually plead the blood. Nobody in the Bible has ever pleaded the blood, and the phrase pleading the blood doesn't exist in the Word of God anywhere, and yet people do it, right? Well, plead the blood, plead the blood. Well, if it's not in the Bible, what's your faith for that? You can't have faith in something that's not in the Word of God. Now, their faith isn't in pleading the blood, but it's not biblical faith. They have no foundation for spiritual faith in saying the phrase, I plead the blood, because there's no Bible for it. There's no basis in the Bible for that phrase. Uh, we, we operate by the authority of the name of Jesus. That's how we operate. If something comes against me, I don't plead the blood. I say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I'm not pleading the blood. Pleading the blood is a defensive move. I don't have a defensive move. I have the sword of the Spirit. Amen. I do have the shield of faith, but my shield of faith is there just long enough for me to use the sword of the Spirit in the name of Jesus, and, and win the victory. Amen? Shield of faith never doesn't win the victory. Amen? It's the sword of the Spirit that wins the victory. Uh, and so, which is empowered, I know, by faith, of course. But, uh, but and so, I, you know, I, someone asked me about that. So I explained, you know, hey, that's, there's no biblical basis for that phrase. You know, we shouldn't use it. I'm not mad at people use it, but I'm thinking there's no value in it. You know, you might as well say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Mary had a little lamb. I mean, you could, a lot of things you could say that has just as much power. Uh, but... Um, does that mean the blood of Jesus is not... It, it's the most valuable thing ever in the universe. It bought all of your redemption. Amen? Paid for your redemption uh, in full. That's pretty valuable, I think, right? Uh, it has great value and, and, and great importance. And, and, and uh, what else could remove all your sins other than the blood of, blood of Jesus? Amen? Only the blood of Jesus removed your sin, not your good works, not, not uh, anything else. So it's, it's immensely valuable. In fact, it's infinitely valuable. It's just not used to obtain victory. Uh, the, the name of Jesus is used to obtain victory. Amen? <clears throat> and, and, uh, and so after, after explaining all that, they said, well, I'm still going to believe, I'm still going to say plead the blood anyway. All right, dummy. You know, I mean, that's zeal, but that's, that's stupidity with zeal, right? We shouldn't be stupid with our zeal. Uh, we should be fervent, right? And we should believe everything we believe is 100% so. I mean, before I had the conversation, they should have believed that pleading the blood is the 100% best thing they could ever do until I explained to them that it's not found in the Word of God anywhere, and they should have said, okay, no problem, I'll never say it again. That should, that's the correct response, right? You should believe that 100% what you believe is so until the Word of God says what you believe is not so. And you should change immediately. Immediately, not, not well, I've got to think about it. Why should you think about it? I mean, you may be, you may, if you say, well, I've got to go do some research, fine, you know, that's fair, right? You've got to go do your own research. But your research can't be, well, so-and-so did it and it worked for them. Is your faith in their experience? My faith, I, you know, all of you could, could raise six people from the dead tomorrow by, you know, uh, standing on one foot. I would have no faith in that. I'm not going to go tomorrow and start standing on one foot to raise people from the dead because I, I can't have faith in your experience at all. I can only have faith in if you tell me how your, how your experience was empowered by the Word of God, then, then, I, then I can replicate that. But if, you're, if your experience is just, you know, is the Lord merciful? You know, merciful means that the Lord can just sometimes just help you out anyway, even if your doctor's not 100% correct. He can still help you out and, and grant you mercy, but you may not be able to replicate that the next time because it was an act of mercy on the Lord's part, not an act of faith on your part. Uh, and so 
we should be we should be zealous. Paul said, not slothful in business. A Christian has no business being the laziest person on the team, ever. If you're the laziest person on the team, uh, that's an affront to, to the Word of God. Amen? Uh, and, um, um, uh, you know, uh, the, thing, the things... Uh, I, never, I never liked in business when my performance was measured by somebody else's actions. Uh, you know, the boss said, well, you know, you've got to go make sure that they do this thing that thing. Well, they don't work for me. If they work for me, it's different, right? But somebody doesn't work for me. Well, you've got to go, you've got to go convince them to do that. And, and your performance is based on that. Well, what if they're a loser? What if there's nothing I can do about it? If they're just slothful in business and nothing, they don't care. You know, it just, uh, you know, I, I remember one time I, I told this lady, I, she, I would get some information from her every month, things that I needed. And I said, look, if you show me how, uh, exactly how you do it, I said, I can make it where you can push one button and do everything you're doing that's taking you eight hours a day to do it. I can do it in, in 30 seconds. Easy, no problem. No, I want to do that. That is slothful. I mean, not even, not even care enough to want to make their job easier. They were just perfectly fine with just wasting hours and hours of the company's money and time. Just slothful, right? Just don't even care. And that was always the hardest thing for me is when I got up against people who just didn't care in, in work, in business, anywhere, just don't care. Just, you know, just leave. I don't, you know, I, don't want, I don't want you to be around me, you know? And um, uh, we had people, I had, I had a lady engineer work for me I had a lot of lady uh, women engineers working for me over the years, and, and um, you know the good women engineers. I couldn't tell any difference between them and a good male engineer. Uh, no difference, you know, because it's mostly intellect, right? And women could be just as smart as men, <clears throat> and so. But you know, this one was not a good engineer. She was a terrible engineer, and it wasn't because she was a female. It was because she was a terrible engineer. And she'd go to go to meetings. She would be, it would be her project. She'd go to meeting, and she wouldn't do anything. Literally nothing, you know, wouldn't ask questions, wouldn't see, put, up, put together, you know, timelines or, you know, things that people were supposed to do, nothing. And so one of my guys who also worked on the, on the project, he started doing her work for her. Well, why, why was he doing that? Because that's the way she worked. All of her career, she got by with other people. She figured out how to get other people to do her work for her. And I, and I told him, as you will not do that. She will, uh, well, the project will fail. I said, she will fail or succeed on her own strength. You know, and if she needs help, if she, that's fine, but you're not going to do her work for her because that just, no, you know. And, you know, of course, we ended up firing her because she was a terrible engineer. She always, because, you know, she happened to be a black female engineer because I'm black. You know, no, you know, I'm black. I got lots of good black engineers, you know, you're not one of them. Uh, and, and so uh, she tried to make it something that it wasn't because you're lazy, you're slothful, right? Zero, I mean, you know, just uh, when, I, when I interviewed her, I said, I said, so uh, why do you want this job? And this was her answer. You know how un- uncomfortable it is just looking at you? Mm-hmm. It was like 30 seconds. I thought, I'm going to wait her out. It's like a minute. She didn't say nothing for a minute. Why do you want this job? I mean, she wasn't like trying to think of something to say. She just, there's zero. You know, if you could put a, a meter on her brain, just be, just nothing. You know, just nothing there, right? And I told my boss, don't hire this person. Slothful. Don't hire this person. He hired her anyway, because in his mind, you know, whatever reason, you know, but uh, um, slothful. So we ended up getting rid of her. Fervent in spirit. Uh, we should be the most fervent pe- people in every area of our life. We should love life. We should love work. Well, I, you know, I, I remember one guy came, came in here, and uh, I can quote the whole book of Ephesians. Like, that impresses me. Does that impress you? You know, what's more important to me, are, are you doing the whole book of Ephesians? You know, are you living the whole book of Ephesians? That's, that, that impresses me, right? You can quote the whole, I mean, it's like yawn. Excuse me while I go yawn, right? I mean, that, that's like, how, how is that impressive to me, right? How does that, how, why does that impress me? You know, there's super smart people everywhere, but they're the d- dumb as a brick, right? I mean, you know, uh, I mean, anybody who's smart, not a Christian, dumbest person I've ever met. Every intelligent human being ought to be a Christian. Why any intelligent human being breathing air is not a Christian is beyond me. Amen? Uh, and so, so uh, how's work going? Oh, I hate my job. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, you mean the job that, that gives you money every week to put food on your table and provide a house for your family 
you know, your wife doesn't work, it's fine, right? I'm glad she, you know, she gets to stay at home, take care of the kids. So you're the sole provider, and you hate your job. As a, you're a child of God, you're not fervent in spirit, you hate your job. And, and, and you know, and so, uh, and they're thinking, well, you know, I need to be in a ministry. You know, I was supposed to be in a ministry many years ago, right? And I remember the last corporate job I had, you know what I do every day? Lord, I hate this job, I can't wait to get out of it. No, that is not what I did every day. Uh, in fact, I would, uh, what's that? I'd still be there if, I, if that was my attitude, right? I'd get up every day and I'd park uh, as far in the, the far back parking lot, partly because I had a Mustang and I didn't want to be digging my doors, but also I thought, well, if I, if I park far away, I can t- take a little bit longer to, to walk to the office and pray, right? And I'd, and I'd, I'd look at the building and say, Lord, I will do this job the rest of my life if that's what you want me to do. I said, someday I know I'll be in the ministry, but between now and then, I will, I will be here. If you want me to be here the rest of my life, I will do that. I did the same thing when I was running sound. I'd go into sound, sound booth on a regular basis. Lord, if you want to run sound the rest of my life, and I said that, and I meant every word of it, the rest of my life, I will do that. Because I'm not going to think, oh, I just hate running sound. I should be doing something else. I, I, I should be doing something more important than running sound. You mean more important than making you all have the ability to hear a perfect message, right? Yeah, where you all can hear the word and have perfect mix on the sound and music and everybody can enjoy it. And, you know, when I first started running sound, there's feedback everywhere and mics wouldn't work. And, you know, it was insanity, right? And look at the board and the guy wouldn't even do anything. He, the service would start and he'd do this right here. You know, if you're running sound, you can't do that, right? Now, you know, once the pastor got up, it's pretty much the same, right? But if you got 20 people on the stage, you got four, five, six singers, you got uh, 15 instruments or whatever you've got, you're doing stuff like that all the time. You're doing stuff all the time, right? And he just start the service and nothing. That's it. You know, lights be blinking red. They're not supposed to be blinking red, you know. And, and, he, and he probably was thinking, wow, somebody should do something. Yeah, you. You should do something, right? Uh, and so, uh, but every, I, I got going to sound, but Lord, if you want to run sound the rest of my life. Why? Because the, that's the only way you can, can, can continue to be fervent in spirit. Because if you think, Lord, I, I hate this job. I hate running sound. I hate singing. I, hate, I should be doing something more important than this. Well, then you can never do what you're doing uh, with fervency. You're always going to be slothful in what you're doing because you think you're too good for it or that you should be doing something else. And, and you'll never live in the present. You've got to live in the present. You've got to live where, where, where are you right now? I know this is Revelation, but wherever you are right now is exactly where you are. That's Revelation, right? That's a pretty big Revelation. You're not somewhere else. You're not, you know, uh, conquering the world. Amen? I, I, one person told me that uh, they believe that a prophet, well, they said a prophet told them that they should have a worldwide youth ministry. Worldwide youth ministry. Great. I, can, you know, I don't care. Fine. What are you doing right now? Nothing. What are you doing in your church? Nothing. Why not? Because I should have a worldwide ministry. You know, Jesus himself said that if, if you're not faithful over another man's things, uh, well, he said, if you're faithful to another man, he'll make you ruler over your own things, right? Which implies that if you're not faithful to another man's things, he will never make you ruler over your own things. And a lot of people are that way. They, uh, until I get to be ruler of my own thing, I ain't doing nothing. Uh, that's terrible grammar right there. I ain't going to fix my grammar. I'm going to just keep on saying ain't. Ain't all the time, right? Uh, and so, uh, I, I love this verse. In fact, I've got it underlined in my, in my, um, in my book, in my Bible here. Not slothful in business, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, and see, all those things go together, right? Because you cannot serve the Lord being slothful. You cannot serve the Lord unless you're fervent in spirit. Now, a lot of people will think that if you're fervent, you're a fanatic. In other words, that you believe uh, crazy things, right? Like handling snakes and things like that. I had a guy, you know, he's one of these, well, I was going to call him an idiot, but uh, maybe that's, I mean, Brother Hagen called people idiots before too, right? But... Uh, but he's one of these guys that's always trying to always trying to stir stuff up, right? People like that always trying to stir something up, and and so first time I you know I knew I knew of him for for years, right? Before I ever actually had a conversation with him, first conversation I had with him, do you guys handle snakes over at your church? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. Uh, and and uh, why? Because he just he he just always trying to stir things up, right? Uh, because he thinks that because we're fervent in spirit, we're also insane. Uh, and, you know, those two things do not have to be the same. My fervency in your spirit is, Lord, I'm willing to believe anything you put in your word. Anything you say in your word, I'm willing to believe that it's so. 
That's fervent in spirit. And I will pursue it with all that I am. And if I make a mistake, you will adjust that mistake. And I'll be willing to own up to it. You know, some people never own their mistakes. Never own their mistakes. I've made so many mistakes, right? I could tell, I could tell you, and I've told how many mistakes are you hear me tell you about my own self that I make all the time, right? Things that, you know, uh, say about my, not about my wife, but say, you know, to my wife interactions we've had, you know, Lord, straighten up, straighten up, straighten up, you know, just all the time, amen? Uh, and, and, um, uh, and that's okay. I, I got no problem with it because, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I never claim to be perfect, but I am fervent, amen? Uh, and whatever I do, I'm going to do, the, I'm going to do the very best job I can, right? Uh, and even, even in, in, um, in uh, preaching, you know, the gospel and, and teaching the word of God, and I'll dig and, you know, I spent, I don't know how long I spent just reading about uh, the word fervent today, just, you know, from, from uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament, you know, where, where it, what it means and all the etymology of it and where it came from, what words, you know, made the Greek and, I mean, it's just, it's really boring, right? A lot of people, it's really boring. Well, it's, it's, you know, if that's not your calling, it would be, it would appear to be boring, right? But it's, it's my calling. I love it. You know, I love digging, you know, and get, I always call it taking my backhoe out, right? Get my backhoe and, and start digging, seeing what, uh, what we can find. Uh, but so, so fervency and, ze- and zeal are not wrong. Amen. Amen. They should be an active part of your life. Amen. And, and, and Paul uh, included both the natural and the spiritual in this verse, not slothful in business. Well, if you're not slothful, what should you be? Fervent in business, right? Uh, and these, but also not only fervent in, in the natural things, but fervent where? In spirit, amen? In the things of the spirit, in the spirit realm, in the desire for the spirit realm, you should be fervent, amen? Serving the Lord, because that's the only way you can serve the Lord. And um, let me, I just thought about one more verse there that'd be good. Let's see if we can find it. It's... Uh, um, it's in Samuel. Where is that verse, Chris? You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, it's in Elisha. So that's in. Uh, let's see. You got. Uh, I'm gonna see. I think. Let's see if we can find it. If we can't find it, we'll we'll bring it up next time. There. Um, it's when it's when Elisha died. So let's see where that is. Um, no, it's not in First Samuel. Is it First Samuel? No, it's First Kings. That's where it's at. It's First Kings. We'll find it here. All right. No, that's still. Uh, we'll try one more place. Let's try Second Kings because that's uh, it's somewhere around here. Elisha is about to die here, so we got to find out when Elisha dies. What's that? Second Kings. Was that when Elisha dies? Up oh, there it is. Oh, yep, there it is. Second um, Kings thirteen. See that my wife's awesome, right? Yeah, <laughs> I had Google too, but you know it was quicker just to flip through the entire Bible, right? Um, but uh, so Second Kings chapter, 3, read this and we will go. So this is uh, uh, chapter thirteen, Second Kings thirteen, verse fourteen. It says, "Now Elisha, now Elisha was, uh, you know, Elijah's protege, right? So uh, now Elijah and Elisha had twice as many miracles as Elijah did, uh, including." Uh, Helping get Naaman healed, right? Uh, wasn't Naaman healed under the ministry of, of Elisha? He was. But it says here, now Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness wherever he died. So Elisha died sick. Now Elijah didn't die sick, but Elisha did die sick. You know, it's a shame that, that the, the spiritual child of, Elisha, of Elijah could not maintain his health, amen? Supernaturally. Uh, and we don't know all the reasons for it. Um, and I've got my suspicions, but... The Bible doesn't have a lot of details on it, so we'll leave it alone. But he did. He, he was fallen sick of the sickness wherever he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face, saying, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, which is really what, he, what Elisha had said about Elijah when he saw him go up to the Lord. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows, and took upon him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it, and Elisha said, shoot. And he shot, so he shot the bow and arrows out of the window. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. So, so now the king should be getting a clue. Okay, these arrows represent prophecy from the Lord, right? So these are, it's an, it's an allegory, right? It's a type and a shadow of 
the prophecies, right? So the, he's not just shooting out arrows to see if he can hit the bullseyes. He's shooting out, he said, the Lord's deliverance. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote three times and stopped or stayed. And a man of God was angry or wroth with him and said, thou should have smitten five or six times. Then thou hadst, then hadst thou smitten Israel, or then hadst thou, or then wouldst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Jared, can you put up the, the ESV version of that uh, verse 19 there? Uh, can you pull up any other version besides uh, King James? <clears throat> um, and so uh, any other version will be uh, a little bit fewer theirs and thou. So amplified, okay. And the man of God was angry with them and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Syria down only three times. So basically, you know, the, the, the prophet, and sometimes the Lord will do that. He'll use natural things as, as kind of a, a point of contact in prophesying. You know, we see that more in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Uh, but the arrows represented deliver, the deliverance of the Lord. And so, uh, so the uh, prophet had him shoot the arrow out the window. They said, now, now destroy the other arrows. And he went one, two, three, and stopped. He should have danced till they were dust. Right, That's, knowing that that was the deliverance of the Lord, he said, "Arrows are the deliverance. Of, the arrow of the deliverance of, of the of the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. So destroy it, right? All gone. But he just half-heartedly did it. Slothful, and the and the prophet was angry with him, right? Angry with him because he just half-hearted uh, did what the prophet told him to do, uh, and and the result of that was." Yeah, you're going to be able to, to, to beat Syria, but three times after that, it's just too bad. You know, they'll just overtake you after three times, and, and that's it. Because if you've done it all the way, five or six times, just, you know, even a couple more times, right? You would have struck them down until you destroyed it, until they were gone off the face of the earth. Uh, but because you're, not, you're, because you're slothful, then, you know, you're going to have a little success, but not, not the best that the Lord desired. Amen? And, and, and that goes across the board. If you want to do things halfway in your life, you'll get a little success from, from the Lord, but he, he, he can't use you. He can't, not the way he wants to. You know, he'll use you a little bit, but it's like he'll look a thousand people trying to find somebody else, anybody else that's willing to be used other than you. Uh, if you're going to be slothful, right? If you're going to be not fervent in spirit. Because if you're fervent in spirit, he can, you know, it's a lot easier to move, to, to steer a moving ship than a ship that's standing still. Amen. And, and he can adjust you if you're, if you're in error, amen? And if you always keep an open heart with the Lord, he will do that. He will help you and adjust you. But that, that's, uh, I've, I've always enjoyed that particular story because it just, it's such a good life lesson, amen, that the Lord needs us, wants us to be fervent in spirit, amen, uh, and not slothful in, in anything that we do. And Paul wasn't that way before or after because he said, I was zealous before. He said, now I'm fervent in spirit because that's what he told the Romans to do, and surely he's doing the same things that he told the Romans to do, right? To, to be fervent in spirit. Uh, and so, so that, that was just, uh, just, I mean, just that word zeal, you know, I've been meditating on that just all day, and I, I just thought it'd be helpful to go through that a little bit, because uh, in the church, oftentimes, we get so um, uh, just passive, right? Just passive, you know, just, you know, uh, what do you do at church? Nothing. Uh, when do you help? No, 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 no. You mean you never help? No. And it's just, you know, sometimes you want to go over and just check up. You got a pulse? Let me check your pulse. Oh, we might need to call somebody, you know. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Now, I think we do great around here. You know, we, every time we need help, we always get a bunch of help around here, right? And, uh, you know, people, I know things happen, you know. And, and listen, I never go home and go, wow, you know, they don't have help around here. You know, I never think that. I'm glad for everybody who shows up, and I, and I think nothing of people who don't because, they have lives too, right? People, you got things to do. And so I'm not mad at anybody, right? Don't, well, I didn't help that last time. He's mad at me. I'm not, I'm not judging you. It's between you and the Lord. Amen. And so now if I come up and say, hey, can you help? No, I'm never helping. Okay, fine. You know, <laughs> okay. You know, that's, I mean, that's between you and the Lord. It's still between you and the Lord, right? I'm not going to get mad at why. If I get mad at you for that, then I've got to deal with that. Amen. I've got to deal with being mad at somebody. I can't deal with that. I'm just going to leave it alone. Amen. Let the Lord deal with it. And so, but I'm going to be zealous. Amen. 
and you want, you want me to be zealous. I want you to be zealous. I want you to just be on fire for the Lord uh, in, in whatever you do. You know, and, and really, my, my bless, uh, uh, blessing of my life is to get to know many of you uh, and, uh, and how zealous you all are in your own lives, right? The things that you do, right? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to see that in your life, amen? I mean, you want to you get the world's best burger, you go over to Will's house, right? I mean, Will's like a master at uh, grilling a hamburger. I mean, it's ze- talking about zeal for a, bur- a burger, right? But, you know, you want the best burger in the world, you can go to Will's house, right? I know that. It's on my list, right? I want to, I'm going to go to Will's house, right? Uh, and so, yeah, that's why, you know, we say we're having birthday parties over there for the pool, but it's really for Will's burgers, right? And so, uh, but um, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you for the blessings and honor. And, Lord, uh, you are a, a, a God full of zeal. You are on fire all the time, Father, in a good way. Uh, you only have one setting, that's 100%, Father. And if that's the way you are, that's the way you made us. And so, Father, we thank you that we have the capacity to do that. Uh, and we thank you for that, Father. Everything we lay our hands to, Father, we'll do it with zeal. Uh, and, Lord, we thank you for the honor and, and the privilege of that. And we give you the praise and honor for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. <clears throat> you know, I remember one time I was working at a machine shop for summer and they had this old CNC machine, and uh, I said, yeah, we need, to, we need to paint that. I mean, it was 1,000 years old, had six inches of grease and oil and dust and dirt on it, you know. You need to clean it up so we can paint it, you know. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. Man, I got that, I scrubbed that thing, I mean, for days. My boss finally said, look, you've got to get it done. Just get it done, right? But, I mean, that was going to be like came from the factory. It's like, it doesn't, that was, see, that was more than they needed and wanted, right? I was going to be like, you know, like you could sell it as a brand new machine, right? Uh, at least the way it looked. <clears throat> like, no, it just needs to be like this level, right? It was at this level. They needed to be this level. I was trying to get it to this level. Well, that was more than they wanted, right? Because they're paying me by the hour, right? So sometimes, you know, your zeal has to be reined in a little bit if it's, if it's out of balance, right? Mine was out. You know, it's like, i got to get this thing clean. It's like, no, it's okay. It's okay, you know? And, and so uh, that's okay. I mean, I mean, I got no problem with that. So, and okay, no problem. You know, I just slapped the rest of it on there and painted it. And it and, I, and I, every time I walk by, I go, yeah, I should have cleaned that over there, you know, but, but that's okay. That's just the way I'm going to be, amen? So, well, be blessed, and uh, have a wonderful Christmas, amen? And, and uh, we'll see you on New Year's Day, bright and early, right? 2023, looking forward to great and wonderful things, see what the Lord will do. You know, he doesn't care it's 2023, but we do, and it'd be awesome, right? And looking forward to it. So, be blessed, have a wonderful Christmas, and uh, we'll see you then.